0: How much do you know about pregnancy and alcohol? The reality may surprise you. Alcohol exposure while in the womb may cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorder in unborn children. It may lead to lifelong physical and or neurodevelopmental impairments such as problems with memory, attention, cause and effect reasoning, and difficulties in adapting to situations. For such an impactful disorder, it is rarely spoken about in the popular media. This podcast will take you behind the scenes to chat with the people who understand FASD. This is Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Welcome, welcome everyone back to our little podcast show. My name is Kurt Lewis and we are back with a brand new intro and a brand new episode. I have the pleasure of presenting our first ever podcast special. This special episode is so massive, we had to split it into two parts. As the title suggests, this two-part special contains interviews with carers and supporters of children who have been diagnosed with FASD. The first person up to the plate is Christine, a teacher and carer of a child with FASD. How did you first hear about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder?
1: Well, I'm a school teacher and sadly, I had not had any professional development along the lines of learning about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I was fostering a little girl and working with her, I could see that she was bright and she was very good at problem solving and what, uh, able to you know, show a fair, fair bit of intelligence. But there were whole areas of her learning that just weren't working as they should have been. And as a school teacher, I was very aware that things weren't happening and that she was struggling with memory, she was struggling with following instructions, and she would be able to understand something, and then the next day she would have no idea. So I was talking with my colleagues, and somebody said, well, maybe it's FASD. And, of course, once that one sentence was spoken, everything started falling into place. And I researched it and ended up getting involved with uh, NoFASD Australia, who have been a wonderful support. And we're in the process at the moment of having our little girl diagnosed and have far more understanding of her behaviour and her learning.
0: It must help you, give you more tools kind of thing to help deal with, with the people who have FASD. Oh,
1: when totally, you- totally. It's It's actually opened up a whole new world to me especially as a teacher I think I'm a far better teacher now with my extra knowledge well I know I am I think that so many people are not aware that this behavior of children is often connected with FASD and that um, once you understand FASD you can approach the whole child's development in a totally different way
0: covering your teaching side for a sec does that FASD become a factor in teaching quite often is it is it come for you especially
1: Uh, It does, more than you realise, because for many, many years, I've taught for 40 years now, there's always been the child that you couldn't quite work out what was wrong. You knew things weren't as they should be. Uh, They didn't seem to fit into any particular box, and yet there was not a name, a label, and therefore the tools to handle that situation were not very good. Now that the research has been done and the awareness is developing, they're estimating that there might be one child in every Australian classroom with FASD. And I think knowing how FASD looks, what it looks like, and having tools to cope with that child's learning behavior and supporting the family just makes life for everybody a lot easier.
0: Wow. Well, I must make them easier to teach and to deal with and to yes. overall just yes. get to There's no child left behind kind of thing.
1: Well, it doesn't mean that you're solving the problems. They'll always mm. have the FASD and they'll mm. always have difficulties. But life for them will be better if the teacher has an understanding that a lot of their behaviour is not their fault, that there is brain injuries there from birth and that the child is not always responsible for a lot of the things that they are blamed for.
0: Uh, you mentioned that you have a child in your care who is is being diagnosed with FASD or being diagnosed? We're
1: we're about halfway through the process. It's quite a long process so we're halfway through and we're very confident that she has FASD and once we have the diagnosis of course then I think it'll support her later on in life. It gives her a feeling that she knows the reason behind a lot of the the behaviour and it's a very delicate situation because a lot of children will blame the birth mother. uh, For other children it's quite a relief to know that. Some of the things I do. It's not always their fault.
0: Could you explain to our listeners what it's like to care for a child who's being diagnosed with FASD?
1: Well, we've been through a period of, you know, the first when she arrived into our care, we had no idea that she had FASD and I virtually knew nothing about FASD. So a lot of her behaviour I put down to early childhood trauma, but it just didn't seem to fit into place, especially with her learning when I could see that she was bright. So everything is hidden and they call it the hidden disability and it very much is a hidden disability. You become very frustrated with them. You ask them to do very simple things and they don't follow through. It looks like this obedience, you become agitated, they become agitated, anxiety in the whole situation is rises and it becomes very difficult. So working with a child in your home, having them living with you and not understanding FASD is a nightmare. It can be a very difficult situation. Keeping in mind it's a spectrum and that some children are worse than others and that also FASD is one of those disorders that they don't present the same in every child. So one child might have a lot of trouble with concentration and another one might have a lot of trouble with temper control. It's not always the same thing in every child. Not easy. Not an easy thing to have a child with VASD.
0: Is there more that our listeners could be doing as individuals or we could be doing as a whole society to support carers and people with VASD?
1: Absolutely. There's always more. And There's always more for the person, the carer or the parent because it's such a big learning curve for everybody and even as more knowledge and more research is done there's constantly new information coming out so the actual person that's looking after the child needs to be as up to date as they can be with the latest information but just becoming informed which is it's so important I think we just need to have a real understanding what FASD is all about developing empathy around those people who are caring for a child with FASD It's so quick that we judge other people. You look in the supermarket and you see some child misbehaving. We have that, you know, what's wrong with that mother? Why can't she control that child? Without any understanding that that child might have a brain-based disorder and that the mother's doing everything she possibly can. So I think we need to be aware that we don't judge others. We need to educate ourselves. We need to educate our friends. We need to educate society as a whole. Make sure our family have a true understanding about the, the child with FASD and really why they behave that way, what's causing anxiety, what are the trigger points, how they can help rather than sitting back and just giving opinions. I think there's always something that society in general can do to help.
0: Be a part of the solution rather than the problem.
1: Totally, yes.
0: Is there any sources that you'd recommend? Or you mentioned that uh, it's important to look up the latest information and all that. Is there any sources of information you'd recommend people look at when trying to understand FASD?
1: Well, NOFASD Australia has an excellent website. They have a helpline that is there for any question at all, any support that's needed. There's constantly somebody there to support and inform. There's a lot of areas now springing up, support groups, support groups online are starting to develop. So gradually more and more things are happening where people can seek help and seek information. And of course, you know, education and knowledge is power and it really does give you a lot of support if you understand. If you have an understanding around anything, then you're going to handle it better.
0: Do you have any advice that you'd give carers who are taking care of a child with FASD?
1: Uh, Oh, well, that's a a lot of advice I could give. (laughs) Probably be kind to yourself. You know, it's so quick to blame yourself for situations that are difficult to handle and don't go the way you wish they had. And I've always had this image of how something would be and I quickly learned that I can't expect that to happen. Expect the unexpected, I suppose. Don't sweat the small stuff. Does it really matter if the beds aren't made? Does it really matter if, you know, you buy fish and chips instead of cooking a beautiful meal? Do something that's easy for you and share the load. Never try and do it all yourself. You must share it. Share it with as many people as you can so that you have that support And you absolutely need to make sure you make time for yourself. If you don't look after yourself, you're not going to be able to look after anybody else. And I think that's really something that many parents don't do. They put everyone before themselves and then they get run into the ground and, you know, nobody is the best off them. Ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. When things aren't going the way they should, reach out and just say you're not coping. There's always somebody around that I'm sure will step in and give you a hand. Have backup plans. I always have backup plans for everything. (laughs) Things never go as you would hope they would and you need to have some sort of other option. It might be just you're going down to um, the park, you know, and all of a sudden there's meltdowns from your child on the way. And rather than planning the trip to the park, you just turn around and go home or you have a detour or you always have some other plan so that things will not constantly be failure become a creative thinker i think that always helps start working out look at the child very closely get to know your child so well that you can see the trigger points and you know the warning signs and you can be creative and see if you can change life as it's happening right in front of you for the better
0: wow honestly that that's great advice i'm i'm feeling emotional really that came from really the heart i think that advice honestly (laughs) felt like came from the heart thank you uh, but Well, from a teaching perspective, I realise that you also have this teacher's perspective. So any advice you'd give to teachers out there when dealing with a pupil who has FASD?
1: This is probably my biggest area of passion at the moment because as a teacher who was uninformed as a very experienced teacher who was uninformed I feel um, I suppose embarrassed and ashamed that I didn't know more about it and I would very much like to inform as many teachers as I can about the importance of understanding children with FASD and the way that we can help them they become very difficult in the classroom and you know when you're handling 25 26 children and one child is being so oppositional it can really really bring you down so Again, as a teacher, ask for help, ask for support. As a parent or a carer of somebody with FASD, you need to get one of the staff on your side. You need to have regular meetings with the staff. You need to make sure that it's not just the classroom teacher but a number of support people in the school who really understand where you're coming from. And I think that this is often the hardest thing with communicating with the school, just to let them know that what appears to be a normal child who's badly behaved is not it's not the case at all that that child has a disability just as much as a child who might be in a wheelchair and it's so obvious to everybody and that they deserve and the support and then they need the help and you need the help as a parent so that it's you're working together in the child's best interest it's such an important thing to get a teacher that really gets it that really understands and even though I was taking our little girl to school with me every day and she was at the school that I was working at and the, you know, her teachers were my colleagues. They didn't always get it. I wrote out a list of her strengths. I wrote out a list of her difficulties and challenges. I wrote out a list of strategies. I kept a very simple point form and I distributed them to any teacher that she would come into contact with throughout the week so that that's the music teacher and the sports teacher and all the others so that everybody had just a brief profile of this particular child and her special needs.
0: Wow, it sounds like you really went above and beyond there. To be honest, it make a whole profile, make sure everyone that's aware. It, is it very necessary?
1: Well, for the child's growth, yes. And I think that again, it's a spectrum. So you might have a child that doesn't require a lot of help, but you could have a child that is very difficult and a child that is constantly, you know, looking for or needing help. I was going to say looking for attention but I don't actually don't believe children look for attention I think they're seeking connection and unless teachers understand they will just put that child into a box and not give them the care that they need they don't realize they have a disability
0: dismiss that child as in a sense
1: Exactly yes and believe me that happens many many times many times with many children Because they don't look like they have got anything wrong with them. And in our case, our little girl's bright, outgoing, fantastic at sports, funny. She's an absolute delight. But she has her executive functioning skills are very weak. So nothing is organised. She loses things constantly. She can't follow instructions. Nothing's ever finished. And it becomes very frustrating for the teachers. So having a teacher understand that this is not the child doing something on purpose, not leaving their possessions all over the school on purpose, or being forgetful. They just are not able to do that skill. They don't have that skill.
0: Next person being interviewed is Sam. Sam is the founder of the Queensland Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Support Group on Facebook and a carer of a child with FASD. So what is Queensland Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Support Group in a nutshell? What is its purpose?
2: Okay, it's, it's actually a, a group of parents and carers. There's grandparents, it's kinship carers. It's a whole different range of people, those that live with FASD themselves, who will come together for support in understanding fetal alcohol spectrum disorder.
0: Sounds interesting. So it's something that can be found and joined on Facebook?
2: Yes, it is. It's a closed group. It's closed because we have a lot of biological parents in there. Yeah. And the motto to the group is that there's no blame, no shame, no judging towards our bio mums. We have it closed so is that the parents, carers, anyone can talk safely and express how they're feeling on a bad day and, or on a good day. And they know that they're not going to be judged in there by people outside of the group.
0: So what kind of support is offered by your group?
2: Well, first off, I have to say it's it's not a site where we're giving advice. None of us are doctors. We're not anyone professional like that. We're just parents and we're just carers. So the site just comes together to give support. FASD is a very lonely journey. It's a really hard journey. And unless you have a child with fetal alcohol or you uh, live with someone, someone with it, it's really hard to understand the challenges that they face every day and it's frustrating it's hard it's heartbreaking it's a whole pile of different mixed emotions so they they just come together so that we talk and it's really good to unload how you're feeling and know that it Mm. doesn't feel so lonely
0: what drove you to found this support group it sounds like you're very passionate
2: about it i'm very very passionate about it how how the group come to form is that i have a son who's 12 who biologically is my nephew i've had a lot of issues with him from a baby there so many different things and what happened is when he was seven i actually heard about fasd i'd never heard about it before but when i read on it it actually ticked every box for him so i went and got him assessed and it came back that he did have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder amongst a lot of other things and when I said to them you know like I feel so broken you know when I heard the word permanent brain injury I was heartbroken because he looked so perfect and he was so perfect to me and how could you tell me that my my son has this permanent brain injury and I said to them, I need someone to talk to. I feel so lonely. And so I sort of processed everything and thought, I don't want any other parents to feel like I did. So, me and a couple of other parents put it together. And yeah, and I founded this group. And and I'm very passionate about the group. We have beautiful members who never judge anyone, who never
0: discriminate against our biological parents. And it's just a safe place to come and talk when you're having a bad day. It's very brave of you to do something for so many people.
2: Well, what's so good about it is that all the members in the group, whether it's somebody who's living with fecal alcohol spectrum disorder, we have many adults in there who also have it. We have professional people from the schools, teachers, who want to come in there and understand how to teach our kids better we also have you know social workers on there and and things like that and they all know that stories are never to be shared it's a closed group Mm -hmm. and it's just for them to also have an understanding of of how to educate or to how to teach our children yeah uh within the school system the members are so good i'm so proud of all of them in there the friendships i have formed through this group are incredible they're actually real friends because they they never judge my son and they understand how i feel you know everyone just supports everyone and the thing is what i like to do with mine is every school holidays Mm -hmm. you know for anybody who likes to get out we have like a a thing in a park where you can either bring a picnic barbecue whatever Mm -hmm. and so we have our parents and carers come together in the school holidays and Uh, Every year at Christmas, I organise a FASD Christmas party. Nice. And um, this will be the fifth year of doing it. And every year it gets bigger and bigger and better and better. And we have a really good day. And the funny thing is, is that these kids never, ever fight on these days. Yeah. They just... I don't know, it's strange. They just all interact so good together. But the thing is that the parents actually get to sit down together. They get to relax. They get to talk to others and and just explain how they feel and share different stories and that. And you really, really need support because, as I said earlier, it really is a lonely journey and, yeah. and you're very much judged.
0: This is, brings it to my next question. Is there more our listeners or could be doing as individuals or we could be doing as a whole society to help carers or, pe- or people with FASD? I
2: think as a whole society, everybody needs to come together. The more support groups that we have, the better. But the more education there is, the more advertising of it. We advocate for our children and people who are in the media and know these people who you can get in contact with that go higher in,
3: yeah. into
2: TV ads, whatever it is. Yeah, They need to actually educate people that there's no safe amount of yeah. alcohol in pregnancy. If you're planning a pregnancy, stop drinking before you do it. And there's times where you might be on your honeymoon you might be at an event yeah you might not know you're pregnant Mm. and and it just happens you just don't know and if everyone just shares the information to not drink while you're pregnant to not drink while you're planning your pregnancy
3: definitely
2: um it's the best thing that the best outcome for your baby or for your future baby. Right? Yeah. And the thing is that we have members who have come in or have just found out they're pregnant, who have been drinking. And I can tell you a mother feels so much guilt. No one can say anything to make them feel more guilty than what they already do. And we have some new mums who are waiting to become mums. Yeah. And we can just support them. We can be there. We can educate them. They can ask all the questions they like. Yeah and without feeling judged. So if they sort of understand everything about FASD,
3: yeah,
2: in case their children do have it, you know, our kids can still do everything that everybody else's kids can do. It might take them a bit longer, they yeah. might do it differently, but they still follow their dreams, you know? They can still be who they want to be.
0: The last interview for part one is with Kath. Kath is a parent to a child with FASD. How did you first hear about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder?
2: I
3: think our first experience of hearing about it was when our our little guy was four and we'd been through a lot of doctors and that trying to figure out what was happening for him. So he came into our care as a brand new baby, brought him home from the hospital and We sort of knew right from the start that things were a bit different. We have three biological children as well, so we had a fair bit to compare there. But, yeah, it wasn't until we were at a psychologist who was doing a whole lot of assessments and tests, trying to go, okay, is it autism? What are we dealing with here? And she was the first one that ever said to us, have you ever looked into fetal alcohol syndrome? And we were like, well... um, didn't really know about that, and so she started us on the journey of going, she gave us sort of paperwork and said, have a read through this, and as we were reading through it, it just, yeah, pretty much ticked every box, and we went, oh, right, okay, there you go.
0: <laughs> that explains it.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: And th- that, that helped a lot, having that kind of like knowledge there, knowledge that... And-
3: um, probably at that stage, it was more shock and grief and that sort of thing where we went wow like this is huge like you know it's you know in the paperwork you kind of get given everything and you get you you know this is all the possible outcomes and yeah. what you going to do with in the future and it's very overwhelming mm. um so at that stage probably wasn't like yay now we know what we're dealing <laughs> with however over time once you know once we ended up getting a, an official diagnosis I guess it gives you a an idea of where to go from here it gives you a way to deal with your expectations and to go gives you a different framework to work from.
0: For the sake of our listeners could you explain what's it's like to care for a child who's being diagnosed with FASD?
3: That's a good question it's complicated it's it's a like a roller coaster ride, I think is one of the best ways I would describe it. You know, it's up and down journey where their emotions, their ability to self-regulate, all of those things literally feels like you are on an emotional roller coaster at times because they go from zero to ten within seconds and then back down again and you're just trying to ride it with them and help them through that. Because of all the challenges that come with FASD for these kids and adults as well, it's, there's a lot of very much needed one-on-one supervision. And so whilst normally the family home is a place where you would relax the most, where you can just, that idea of kicking off your shoes and relaxing, it doesn't feel like that. It's, there's a lot of hypervigilance that can come when you're parenting. Um, children with thursday you've always got to know where they are what they're doing what they're thinking about doing more because there's that you know when they don't have that connection between cause and effect when they don't have the ability to think oh what are the consequences to this action going to be you've got to be their external brain you've got to be the one that's there to help them make the choices to help them you know know that turning on the barbecue is not a great idea because it's going to blow up things like that that's been a bit of our experience (laughs) I can laugh about it now Mm. but you know time. (laughs) but just things yeah you're always trying to think two or three steps ahead so if you're thinking about okay we're going out we're going to be doing going to this event we're going to be doing this sort of thing or even just you know the evening routine, getting ready for bed, you're thinking steps ahead, what do we need to put in place to make this as successful as possible. So your mind is constantly going.
0: So what, yep. kind, so what kind of steps would you usually take, for example?
3: So when we've got an event that we might be going to, we would be thinking about what kind of, for our, our two, there's sensory processing disorder issues there too. Which is quite common for kids with FASD. So yeah, you're, you're thinking, okay, what, what are the impacts of that gonna be? So is it gonna be a loud event? Are there gonna be lots of people? Are there gonna be a lot of instructions they have to follow? Are they gonna, what are the expectations gonna be on the kids at that event? And then how can we minimize some of the effects of those things? So, you know, do we take long sensory processing? Kind of um, games, tools, strategies. Also, you know, what other supports will we have when we're there? You know, like are there people that know those kids and will be able to support us if we're trying to deal with one thing and they're dealing with another thing? You know, what's our exit strategy? Yeah. So, you know, like when the meltdown comes or the, you know, not coping for whatever reason, what's our plan? How are we going to keep ourselves calm? Mm-hmm. How are we going to help them to calm down? How are we going to get them to the car without causing a massive scene? How do we, like, yeah, there's just it's
0: so... Like, it sounds very exhausting, very exhausting thought process. There's a lot of planning involved. You must have a great deal of like variance and planning out these kinds of stuff
3: yeah yeah so our our two with FASD are just about 11 and just about four so Mm -hmm. I guess we've had a lot of years of doing this mind you when just when something seems to work the next day it doesn't but you kind of have your toolbox I guess of strategies and ideas and things and when something doesn't work today, we go back to the toolbox and go, okay, we tried that, you know, a couple of months ago. Let's try mm-hmm. that. The more that you can skill yourself up and get more strategies and more ideas and the more that you understand how the FASD brain works, the more successful you can help your child be.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of leads me into my next question. <laughs> Do you have any advice that you'd give for other carers who are taking care of a child with FASD?
3: Get the training that you can read the books read the articles i think a bigger area is in the, something i'm fairly passionate about is mental health and i've been on a big journey of that myself my background is in counseling but i got to a point where i found that i was struggling myself with depression and anxiety that just comes with the intensity of parenting these kids that are amazing kids but it's just full-on and so yeah I'm, I'm pretty passionate about seeing other parents and caregivers make sure that they've got the support and the networks around them that they need because it's too easy to get bogged down mm-hmm. and to a point where you know you can barely you know function yourself and the better we are in our own functioning in our own self-regulation the, the better that we can help our kids because they mirror other people's emotion. i'm getting upset and you know loud or just really anxious my kids will mirror that and they will match that and so if they're struggling with self-regulation then i'm the one that's going to help them bring that down you know and and if I can't do that myself then we're in a bad place
0: is there more our listenings could be doing as individuals or we could be doing as a whole society to help support carers or people with FASD
3: yeah I think education is a really big area the more that people can understand what FASD is the bigger difference that's going to make not only in in our kids lives but for carers you know the education schooling system is a really big area where they are failing miserably in understanding what FASD is and how to support our kids and if we don't make changes in the education or schooling system we are just going to have so many other issues for these kids when they become adults you know if they're struggling at school if they're you know feeling marginalized and excluded basically because of their disability you know they're going to end up in all sorts of you know struggles as adults so i think we really need to look at education within the education system itself but also preventing in the first place so education comes in on that too where you the more that people understand what FASD is and how that affects people's lives, then hopefully we're gonna have less people drinking Mm. through pregnancy, that there'll be less incidences of FASD happening at all. So education over a whole lot of different areas.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Please tune in next week for part two of the Parents and Carers special. If you like this podcast episode, then please show your support by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. Every little bit helps. Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality was brought to you by no Fazd Australia. All rights reserved. For more information about FASD, then please go to www. Nofas